morning, everyone. So we are continuing our series on Christmas 2022, but before that, I just would like to take a moment to welcome you this morning. We're glad that you're here with us if you're watching online or if you're here joining us today live. We are glad that you're here with us, and I just want to remind you about our connection cards. Take a few moments to write out a prayer request if you have a need or something that you're going through. We want to be able to pray with you and pray for you about that thing that you're facing. And uh, we take those cards and we do pray over them. And uh, so take a few moments to do that. Also, just wanted to remind you that today, from 4 to 6, is the food drive. Some of you may have brought some things in already. Uh, just things that we want to donate to some families in need here for Christmas. I know there's a basket out front here, but if you were unable to bring it this morning, you can still swing it by between 4 and 6 today. So uh, take, take some time. Maybe you can bring, uh, I think it should be in your worship guide. You'll find a thing up. Uh, just give you all the details about the things that you can bring for that. Also, just want to let you know that uh, out on the table, you'll see our Christmas at Heritage Christian Church card. These are invite cards. Uh, I designed these so that you can take these and, uh, you know, instead of trying to explain uh, the services or the times or all those kinds of things, you can take this very easily, stick it in your pocket, and you can invite someone to church and specifically invite them to some Christmas things. Because often people are a lot more open to going to Christmas events than they are sometimes on a on, on on regular Sunday morning. So this would be one good way to invite someone to come. Uh, to have our Christmas Eve celebration, which is going to happen at 7 p.m. on Friday. That's the Friday coming up. I make you believe that it's almost Christmas already. It's, uh, it seems like it came fast. And then Christmas Day service is going to be very laid back. We're just going to come together uh, with probably a shorter service. We're going to focus on Christ because that's what Christmas is all about. And uh, But it's going to be 11 o'clock, so one hour later to give you a little more time to be here join together to celebrate Christmas together as a church family here on Christmas Day. Now this morning, um, my message title is called Crowded Roofs and Empty Lives. It's said that George Frederick Handel composed his, Handel, uh, composed his amazing musical Messiah in something like three weeks. It was done at a time when his eyesight was failing. And when he was facing the possibility of prison because he had many unpaid debts, Handel, however, kept writing in the midst of these challenges until his masterpiece, which includes the majestic Hallelujah Chorus that many of you probably recognize, was completed. And I'm not going to sing that one for you this morning. But you've heard it before, right? Maybe I will sing Handel was later uh, credited with the completion of this project with one ingredient, he said. One thing kept him going, and it was the word joy. Joy. He was quoted as saying that he felt as if his heart would burst with joy at what he was hearing in his mind, and he was pouring it down on paper. Sure enough, listening either to the entire work of the, the Messiah, or by listening to the Hallelujah Chorus, it often brings great joy to one's heart. I know at the end of the semester, going into Christmas vacation, in college, they would did, did the Hallelujah Chorus every chapel right before we were all released to go. So there was a big hallelujah, especially towards the end of the semester, going into the break. The Apostle Paul also faced a lot of challenges in his life. His challenges were things like change and imprisonment, yet he was also filled with joy. We see that all throughout Scripture. He was filled with joy. 
And he wrote this to the church in Philippi. He said, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. That's in Philippians 4.4. Hamilton had let the problems of his life crowd out everything else. And he could have let those problems get upon him and, and not write something as great as the Messiah. He could have just decided to give up. There's no use in trying to produce anything with his death, with his failing eyesight. What's the point? But he kept going, and he sensed such a deep joy in the writing of the Messiah. A great joy, a deep joy in what he was doing. I wonder if this morning we could do the same. In the midst of some of the trials and tribulations that we have, can we have a deep joy that will get us through this season? What often what happens is that Christ gets crowded out of our lives. And instead of, of approaching the season with joy, it's just with all the things that we need to get done for the season. At the first Christmas, we read that there was no place for Mary and Joseph to stay. All the rooms in the inn had been taken. It was crowded with people. And I can't help but wonder, do the crowded rooms represent how easily we can crowd out Christ from our lives. Today's message is crowded rooms and empty lives. I'm going to read Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7 from the English Standard Transmission, English Standard Version. And it says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world would be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each in his own town. And Joseph went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was in the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. So here we have this story, where there's no lodging available, no vacancy, also known as no room at the end. So each person was required to go back to their hometown for taxation purposes. There were going to be new taxes put upon the people. And so everyone rushed to their hometowns, and all the inns were crowded. Mary and Joseph were left on the outside. They were kind of on the fringe of the society. They had no place to go. After 80 miles of travel, I'm sure that's all they wanted is maybe a, a warm bed, maybe a place to sleep that they could recharge. They could even clean up a little bit from their travels. But what they got was a stable, which was most likely a cave right behind the inn. You see, even though things didn't go exactly how they thought they should go, or according to how they thought they should go, you don't get a sense that Mary and Joseph got bothered there was no second guessing whether they were in the will of God or not. Did they somehow miss the will of God? Sometimes we assume that we miss the will of God because things weren't quite what they thought, what we thought they should be. How we thought it should happen. They didn't assume that they were out of God's will simply because God didn't provide a house for them or a place to stay. But they trusted God and they did the best with what they had. How many of you have been there? Sometimes you just, you just have to do the best with what you have. You don't have it. 
gave you the best portion. And that's what they did. It's a valuable lesson to learn, really learning to trust God when it doesn't seem to make sense. God, if you called me, if you called us to do this great thing, why do we find the place for us to stand? But there was a master plan, and we see that prophecy would be fulfilled in Christ and the circumstances surrounding his life and his birth specifically. God had been working out his plan all along. The Roman Emperor Caesar Augustus carried out God's plans even when realized, even without realizing it, when he put this new taxation upon people. Why? Because there was a prophecy about the Messiah that was to come and where that Messiah was going to be born. God worked out the time, the place, and the circumstances, and they all fulfilled prophecy that was given hundreds of years before the birth of Christ. In Micah 5.2, we find that he was to be born in Bethlehem. The Messiah was to come and be born in Bethlehem. See, there was no room for them at the end. People were staying in crowded rooms with empty lives apart from and part of what we are about this Christmas is keeping Christ in Christmas. That's what we believers should believe. That's what we should stand for. See, Christ is crowded out at Christmas when there is no room for Christ at Christmas. Luke chapter 2, verses 10 through 11 says, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. I say all. All. Just for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David the Savior, who is Christ the Lord. So here we have good news. We have great joy for all people. A Savior was born, not just for the Jewish people, not just for good people, but a Savior was born for all people. And many people do not want to recognize Christ at Christmas. And they try to cut him out of the picture. And if they can't cut it out, they will at least crowd Christ out of Christmas. Everything but Christmas story. This is not the story of Someone would like to cut Christ out of the public square, out of schools, out of government, out of politics, out of social functions, out of lives. Meanwhile, we're living in a state of depression, anxiety, addiction, overdose, violence. Cut Christ out of Christmas, all you're left with is loss of Christmas. Christ out of Christmas. What does loss mean in Spanish? More. See, because without Christ, you're on a constant search for more. More things, more experiences, more ways to get high or drunk. Yes, you live for loss. You live for more. You're still not satisfied. Crowded rooms with moss and empty lives, with more and empty lives. This is what Christ and Christmas brings to you without Christ. It does result in more. It results in more empty lives without Christmas. Christ is crowded out when there is no worship for Christ at Christmas. But we sing songs that worship and adore Christ and who he is and The story of the wise men is a story of men who traveled a very far distance to be able to worship the Christ child, a long distance. And worship was inconvenient for them. 
was far away. They, they could have come up with all kinds of excuses or reasons to not go worship this Christ child. It was too far. It was too cold. It was too hot. They were too tired. Too much work. Too much time away from the family. The service is too long. The service is too short. Songs are too new. Songs are too old. They have bills to pay, mouth to feed, careers to build. Facebook and TikTok are not going to scroll themselves. And Netflix is calling your name. So they have no excuses that they need to worship. Before, a short time before Christ was born, the Magi, whose names we don't know, we don't even know the number of them, although but they started from their homes in the east and they journeyed to Jerusalem. And a peculiar star became their GPS, became their guidance system. They believed that this star would lead them to the king of the Jews. And when they came to Jerusalem, they asked, where is this person that was meant to be born, the king of the Jews? And soon the, the news was carried all over town and people began to be excited about this Messiah that was on his way, that maybe he's here. Maybe the Messiah that we've been waiting for that will take us from Roman oppression is finally here. But there's one person that was not pleased by this news, and that was King Herod. So he told the chief priests to answer the question, where is this Messiah to be born? And they answered, he'd be born in Bethlehem of Judea. The Magi found the Christ, they traveled to Bethlehem, and they worshipped him. And how did they worship him? Matthew 2.11 says, and going into the house, they saw the child of Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. So the first thing they did is they fell down and worshipped him. This was a sign of honor, a symbol of humbling oneself before someone that you see as greater than you. They bowed before the king. Part of their worship to Christ was simply putting themselves in a position of submission. We submit to your rule. They brought gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They did not come empty-handed. They came with something to give. They came to worship with something to give. So what should we do when we worship? It's more than just singing a few songs. Come again saying, I am willing to give something of Thirdly, they worshiped on purpose. They didn't travel all this way to slap baby Jesus a high five or a knuckle bump and then go back to bed. They worshiped on purpose. They followed the star on purpose. They recognized the importance of this baby and they wanted to be sure that they properly worshiped him for who he was. See, to keep Christ from being crowded out of Christmas and to bring real depth and meaning to our spiritual lives, we can learn from the life of the wise men. Number one, we fall down and worship to Jesus this Christmas. We sing songs like, Oh, come, let us adore you. Go back. Oh, Jesus, I'm going to fall down and worship you. I want to remember who you are and why you came. When you come to worship, bring something to give. Whether it's Giving money, that's part of worship. Giving your time, giving your talents, giving yourself, giving your vocals, giving your some songs. All acts of worship. 
Romans 12 says, offer yourself as a living sacrifice to others. That's what he's called us to do. And you travel to hear the church, which is not clearly, not, not quite as long as the Magi had to travel. They have a much bigger commute. But what is the purpose in your heart that you're coming to worship the King of Kings with your brothers and sisters? Christ is crowded out when there is no time for Christ to come us. Seems like an oxymoron, doesn't it? No time for Christ to come Busy, busy, busy. We're all so busy and there's no time for Christ in this world. There seems to be no time for him in our lives. Yet we can look around and see the results of being too busy. Anxiety, depression, weariness, burned out, building frustration. Everything else emanates from Christ at the center. By prioritizing Christ, by prioritizing fellowship with other believers. I think we need prayers answered. We need to hear the feedback. I think people will be saved. And we can, you know, loved ones, those people we've been praying for for a long time, to come to Christ. I believe their salvation is. Busyness is a tool of Satan to keep us distracted from what is really important. And that's truly important. I read this from Pastor Adrian Rogers. He said, if Satan can't make you bad, he will make you busy. If Satan can't make you bad, he will make you busy. Will you make time for Christ in the new year? Will you decide to make him a priority? Will you make you decide to make fellowship a priority. I read this poem this weekend. The author is unknown. It says this, Life is a story in volumes three, the past and the present and the yet to be. The first, the past, is written and laid away. The second, the present, we are writing every day. The third, yet to be, and the last of the volumes Locked from sight, God keeps in view. This morning, are you coming at him? It's a perfect time for Christ at the center of your life to make it time for him, to make room for Christ. Ralph Waldo, Waldo Emerson said, This time, like all times, is a very good one if we know what to do. Live empty lives by crowding out more moments with anything but Christ. 
I got Jesus in our own lives, the first thing is when we give room to Christ. We give him space to work in our lives. We give worship to Christ, singing, giving, using our talents, our gifts, our abilities. And the third thing we do is we give time to Christ. Make him I believe that the greatest work of your life is to be a cornerstone. It's like candle with Messiah. Then let the problems of this life crowd out the genius that is going on, the joy that is going on in this life. It is still wonderful. And I believe that there's still, for some of you, there's still a work of art that's going on. It's in this world. It's going forward. Joy is found in our salvation and in the sacrifice that we secure to our dignity. Because of that, we can live with joy. Sing with the Christmas saying, Joy to the world, the Lord has come. That word is singing. To the king, to bring joy, to bring peace. This Christmas season, would you decide to give room to give worship? Will you accept the gift of salvation that has been given to us? It's time to declutter our lives and make Christ the centerpiece of your life. It is only then that you will experience true joy. Give us a new start. He died on a cross to be the sacrifice for that sin so that we could be forgiven of everything we've done. So, what do I have to do to ask for forgiveness? You need to repent. Please forgive me for what I've done. I'm asking you to do it. Jesus, please forgive me of my sins. Make me new today. I invite you into my life right now. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Change me and make me new. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, if you said that prayer this morning, I'm going to encourage you to grab your prayer card and your worship. If you have not, we have time for devotion. You can look up. 
Those who lived in the deepest night are lit up with the brilliant sun. Unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. The spread of his influence and of his peace will never end. Therefore, go out into the world with great joy, and the grace of Bethlehem's matchless child. The love of God never ceases to amaze, and the fellowship of the Spirit never wearies. Nobody, but it's, it's just something to say. Yeah, yeah. 